Well, we finished our series on uh, pondering priorities, a look into the parables of Jesus. And uh, so we had one week before we started Advent, so I figured we got a, a great opportunity for kind of one of those standalone times. And, and so I thought what I would do is I would get into the facts of life, some of the facts of life and how the Bible deals with the facts of life. How many of you are old enough to remember the facts of life, the show? Yeah. Some of you are like, man, dude, don't, don't give my age away. Uh, that was a show where basically, you know, the, a, a bunch of young people lived with an older lady and, and uh, she was just always teaching them lessons about life. You know, they would mess up at something and, and out of that, you know, uh, screw up, what would happen is, is she would set them down and she would help them to understand the facts of life. In other words, they would mess up, but they would learn from that and, and they'd go on and, and do life better. Is that, you know, too much different from the way we learn in the things of God. Not much different, you know. We all make mistakes and, and, and stumble at times, but, you know, the reality is is that Christ is always there to teach us the facts of life. Amen? And so I had a uh, specific passage I want to read to you this morning. Just one passage will be on the screen this morning. I'll have a number of scriptures I share. You can write those down if you have your Bibles with you, which you should. Say, I should have my Bible with me. There's no condemnation. Oh, there's no condemnation, but I should bring my Bible with me. You need your Bibles. Mess them up. I don't care if it's electronic or it's, it's uh, paper. Have your Bible with you when you come to church so you can follow along. Um, so the passage, are we ready with that? Um, so the passage that we have, Deuteronomy 30 and verse 19 says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you. That I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. That both you and your descendants may live. Your choosing life has an effect on those that follow you. That's a fact of life. Um, Part of what I want to talk about this morning is how we communicate. So when we think about the facts of life, Communication and conflict, say that with me, communication and conflict, because the facts of life are no more evident than when we're in that place of communicating to those we love and dealing with conflict with those that we love, amen? And even with those we don't necessarily love, but you know, the Bible tells us we should love everybody, isn't that right? So communication and conflict are always at play. So um, first thing is, how can I communicate better? The first question of our Q&A is how can I communicate better? Who wants to communicate better? Every single one of us should want to communicate better. Here's your first one. You ready? Write this down. Here's how we can communicate better. Be slow to speak. Be slow to speak. Psalms 141 and 3 says, Set a guard over my mouth. O Lord, keep watch over the door of my lips. Proverbs 12, 18 says, Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Man, I'll tell you what, I got the, another tissue. I apologize. Mute this for a second. apologize for that 
Worship got me going, man. <laughs> so reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. So be slow to speak. Think about what you're going to say. You know, the other day I called my grandmother. Now, Grandma, if you see this, I love you with all my heart, but I need to bring it to the brass tacks of how it applies to our life. Communication and conflict. When people aren't slow to speak and they say things that are callous, it tends to pierce the heart, just as it said in Psalm 141. They don't guard their words and they say things they shouldn't. Now here's the deal. I moved away from my home. God got me out from among my kinfolk and got me saved, you know, uh, baptized in water, baptized in the Holy Spirit, whole life changed and, and set on a road of, of sharing the gospel. And so when I left home, uh, you know, came out here, we have made many treks back to visit family and to, you know, to let them see the kids, all those things and, and, and phone calls and all those things. And, and, uh, I think I've had one visit from a family. Now, Brent came to live with me for a while. You know, came out here and lived for a while, lived with us for, for a while. And, um, and it was a great time for him, and, and God set his feet on that path. And, and now he and his family pursue the Lord, and they're back in Ohio. But I called my grandma, and, and I grew up in that, that dysfunction. I, I grew up in the conflict and bad communication. Now, let, let's put it this way. I grew up in dysfunction. Anybody else grew up in dysfunction? So I hate it. I cannot stand dysfunction. I can't stand negativity, and I cannot stand, you know, that thing. If you're trying to make an effort, let, you know, can we see the glasses half full, not half empty? Somebody say amen. Yeah. Now, you negative folks in here say amen louder. <laughs> so I call my grandma, and I'm talking, you know, happy Thanksgiving, and all of that's going down, and it's just a great time of conversation, and she says, you need to call me more often. You don't call me enough, and dot, 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 and it starts. And I'm like, every single time I come to visit and every single time I call, I don't do it enough. But you don't call, and you did come to visit me one time in 22 years. You understand? Now, she's my grandma. I love her, and, you know, I, I'll make the effort. But at the same time, when I'm making the effort, don't say something negative. Now, here's, here's the thing. This has gone on all these years, and I'm on the phone, joyful, you know, just, Grandma, I love you, and, you know, just pouring, just pouring love out on her, right? And she drops that on me. It's like, it's just like, wow, man, I call you, you never call me. And it's just, you know, pierced, and I'm just like, wow, I make an effort, and when I do, it's not good enough. So you know what I did? That's the moment I said, Grandma, I'll be careful how I say this to you, but I do need to say something to you for years now when I call you when I come to visit you there's always this thing that follows up the visit or the call as it's coming to its close that I don't do enough and I really would like you to encourage me in this sense thank you for calling honey I really appreciate it when you call and I promise you if you drop that it becomes something a whole lot more motivating for me to call again because you've chosen your words a whole lot wiser it pierces, I do love you, and it pierces my heart when you say those things to me when I'm making the effort, right when I'm making the effort. Can you all say amen to that? We need to watch our words. We need to be careful. And you know what my grandma said to me? And I'll tell you, you know those moments, and the Bible tells us to exhort, you know, like we exhort an older man, a younger man, exhort an older man. Well, when it's your grandma, you better exhort her with a whole lot of love and, and uh, you know, caution. You understand what I'm saying? 
You know, so I approached it very carefully when I did it. I was very gentle, very loving. And uh, you know how she responded to that? You know, honey, you're right. I should not do that. And I'm sorry for that. And you call me, I won't do that anymore. I said, well, I'll put it in my calendar to call you at least every two weeks. Really? I said, yeah. I said, because this was a very positive interaction. And I'm not going, okay, if I call the next time, is there going to be something they're going to criticize? You see what I'm saying? Don't be the person that is the wet blanket, you know, to people's efforts. Say that with me. I don't want to be a wet blanket to other people's efforts. You know, have you ever watched football? Yeah, if you'd hurry up, Pastor, I can go watch my team right now. <laughs> you ever watch football? You ever listen to the guy in there? What's the matter with you, man? If I'd have done that, I'd have done this. Yeah, you're not out there. And there's a reason why you're not out there on a pro NFL football team. And if you could be, that's where you would be because you'd be making millions too, right? Isn't that correct? But we sit and we, oh, man, dude, you know. Now, it's, I get it. I get it, the competition, and I get all of that. But you know what I'm saying? You've got to be careful with your words. Guard your words. Don't be the negative person to other people, causing them to basically give up because you were the final blow, or if you will, that old uh, adage, the final straw that broke the camel's back. Anybody ever felt that way? Uh, the second answer to how can I communicate better? Speak their language. Now, all the men are going to really appreciate this today. 1 Peter 3, 7. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding. Does anybody have a pen? Because I'd like to drop it right now. <laughs> we draw, dwell with our wives with understanding. What is that? You know, have you ever heard that statement? Seek to understand before being understood you know now it doesn't just apply to husbands and wives it applies to anybody we're in relationship with that we try to understand them before being understood why because we're going to get a whole lot further with people when we understand them then we can communicate better with them so we can communicate better if we're careful to try and understand what their language is the third answer to how can i communicate better is uh, speak words of life. I've already been talking about that. Proverbs 15.4 says, The tongue that brings healing is a tree of life. <clears throat> Who's ever been hurt by somebody else's words? Yeah, all hands. No, Hold your hands up high if you've been hurt by somebody else's words. Here's the deal with that. When you walked away from that person, you didn't feel like, that's a person I want to receive from. Agreed? Now, I understand the Bible also talks about faithful are the wounds of a friend. But the wounds of a friend are very different from that of an enemy. You know, it's beware the kisses of an enemy, you know, and faithful are the wounds of a friend. But when we think about this passage, what it's saying is, is that aspect of guarding our tongue, that we're not the person that's going to be speaking words that are tearing people down, but we're a person that's speaking words that are going to be building and lifting people up to a higher place in their walk with Christ. Can you say amen? The second question, how do you resolve a conflict? How do you resolve a conflict? I guess it depends on who the conflict's with. Somebody breaks in your house, you know, Angie's got a 45 and she's going to resolve the conflict. 
Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I won't go too far on that one. <laughs> I don't think the Bible will support it too well. Self-defense it will, but, you know. Um, but ultimately, how do, we, how, do we, uh, how do we resolve a conflict, you know? You resolve it with anger. Does that work very well? No, absolutely not. Anger doesn't work very well. Um, James 4, 1, watch this. Do you know where your fights and arguments come from? They come from the selfish desires that war within you. Meditate on that a second. They come, the wars and the fights, the disagreements that take place between us, you know, uh, for Angie and our marriage, for Daniel and I as a father and a daughter, uh, you know, and you all know how much Wade and I disagree on things. The, the differences that, that come, the conflict that we have, it tends to be that self, I want my way. Don't we want our way? I want it my way. I don't, I don't want it to be your way. I want it to be my way. And it requires that we, again, the, the first part of it, understand the person. Try to understand where they're coming from so that, you know, you're able to see that, you know, oftentimes you guys are trying to get to the same actual end and you just see things a little bit different. And so how can you talk through that and communicate so that what happens is it's not being motivated by selfish desire, but rather, as the scriptures say, prefer, prefer your brother, uh, we could say your brother or your sister, above yourself. If we were to go to Ephesians, we would look and see that even like where it says here that husbands dwell with your wives with understanding we could also go and say, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church in so much that he did what? Laid his life down for her, right? And I do that for Angie all the time. That's all I got to say. <laughs> she does it for me too, but I got to tell you, I love this woman, man. She's, she's a rock. She, uh. She helps me with my sermons quite a bit. <laughs> Second answer under how do you resolve conflict? Seek first to understand. We've already said that. Proverbs 18, 13. It says, he who answers before listening, that is folly. And it's a folly to his shame. He who answers before listening, it is folly. And it's a shame to him to do that. So try and hear what the person's saying. Understand them again before you try and respond to them. Uh, the third answer under how you resolve conflict is guard your tongue. Say guard my tongue. First Peter 3, 8 through 9 says, finally, all of you. Say finally. It's finally, all of you. Live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. But with blessing, because to this you were called so that many may inherit eternal life. You are meant to be a representative of eternal living. When you think about Christ hanging on the cross, people spitting, you know, cursing at him, treating him the way that they did. And he didn't deserve one iota. He didn't deserve any of it. And his response was what? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Did they know they were crucifying him? You think the guy that hocked a loogie on Jesus knew that he was hocking a loogie on Jesus? Oh, I didn't do that. Now, he knew what he was doing. 
He knew how he was treating Jesus, but he did not understand what he was doing. That's what, they know not what, they don't understand what they're doing, or they would not do it. How many times have we been there ourselves in our walk with Christ, where, where we're living a certain way, we know better, but we live a certain way, and what happens is, is all of a sudden, Christ rains down on that, and we realize in our marriages, with our families, in our workplace. You know, it's like well, I was talking to a guy the other day who owns his own business, and he has an employee, and he's been stealing the guy's tools and taking them to a pawn shop and pawning them off. Now, the owner's not a Christian. Well, you think the conversation came up, me being a pastor and, you know, meeting this guy and we're chatting, what do you think he said to me knowing that I'm a pastor? These Christians, I mean, they say they believe this, but none of them live it. You know, it starts going straight down that road of they're all hypocrites. All Christians are hypocrites. See, it's kind of the one bag, bad egg spools the bunch, right? And so, so the way we live matters. The way we treat others matter. Don't return evil for evil. The crazy thing is, that boss didn't press charges against the guy. The, the unsaved guy acted more Christian-like than the saved guy did. That, to me, is a, is a paradox. I don't, I don't get that there are people in society today that will walk with greater integrity and more character than many Christians do. Professing Christians, I should say it that way. I think our fruit speaks a lot for what is really going on inside of us. The Christianity, if you will, the term Christianity, or the term salvation, or living our life for God should not be used so cheaply. Would you all agree? very important that we walk circumspectly we need to know that we have an adversary that is going about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour <laughs> and we got to be on our guard and we got to be sober-minded so that when he comes to tempt we know how to keep him at bay how is that resist somebody say resist resist the devil and what does he do he flees from you you got to resist him so that he'll take off running and uh the uh, fourth answer under how to resolve conflict <laughs> fight the real enemy i just implied that uh, ephesians six twelve, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the authorities against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms know who your enemy is don't fight the wrong person that's why when jesus was hanging on the cross did people drag him there was the centurion involved? You know, did Pilate has his, have his part to play in all of that? Did we see human beings, when we read this story, they all had their part to play in it, didn't they? But Jesus hung on the cross declaring, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And the scripture declares that had Satan known what he was doing when he crucified our Lord, he would not have done it. So it, it, it places the blame in the right place. Satan is the one. He is the God of this world. He is the one that, that, is, that is, if you will, giving command to all those spiritual forces to carry out against this world, against you as believers. And Jesus hung on a cross at his hand, to be straightforward about it, at his hand, not at the people's hand, even though they were being used. Jesus declared over them, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Why? Because... God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And it goes on. For God did not send his son into this world to condemn them, 
but to save them. Because we're already condemned, the Bible says in that passage, by the word. When we read the word, there's not one bit of the word, not one jot nor tittle that will pass until the Lord come again and establish his kingdom forevermore. When you think about that, when you think about God's declaration over his world, word, it is what it is. It's never going to change. It's always going to be. It is uh, the written word, if you will. Jesus was the living word. Jesus was the rock. The word is a rock that does not move. You can depend on it. It's absolute. Anybody that's been around construction understands that when it says that he's the chief cornerstone, if the word is the chief cornerstone, the building stands. Everything builds off that chief cornerstone. And when we build off Christ, when we build off the word of God, we know this, we have a sure foundation that we can build upon that what we build will remain and will not crumble. Because the Bible also declares that everything that can be shaken will be shaken before the end comes. And that which is, is built by us, that which is established by human effort, will crumble. That which is God working in and through us to establish will remain forevermore. Somebody say amen in the house. Let me get my screen back up. I went too long on that one. All right, third question, final question, is what do I do if it seems hopeless? What do I do if it seems hopeless? What if, what if you know, I'm in a situation it just seems hopeless? Watch this. Answer number one, call on God for help. Write that down. Call on God for help. Who's ever done that? <laughs> it's kind of it's funny how our prayers, you know, so many preachers have said this too. It's like, you know, we start praying, and Lord, your word declares that the heavens have been established, that the earth, uh, you know, the Father, the firmament, all has been established. Father, I'm your creation, and you care for all my needs. Cast your cares upon the Lord because he, he cares for you, and all those scriptures, all the eloquence is, is pouring out. But when the situation really hits rock bottom, it's kind of like this. God, help me. <laughs> it just goes to that one phrase. Lord, help. <laughs> you know what's funny? It's amazing that, you know, he talked about that don't pray as the heathen prays. They think they'll be heard for their many words. <laughs> it's not the many words. It's the connection you have with God. It's the understanding of who he is in your life. As I said a couple weeks ago, it's understanding how much, just how much God cares about you. And when you know how much he cares about you, you can look at your situation and know this. God knows exactly what to do in that situation. He'd love to help you. Call out on him for help. Amen? The second answer to uh, what do I do if it seems hopeless? Confess your part of the conflict. Mm. There comes the rubber meets the road here. Let me, let me give you Matthew 7, 3 and 5 here. Uh, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? First, take the plank out of your eye, own eye, excuse me, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. What's that saying? Uh, you know, <laughs> and I always use Angie and I because you've heard me say this before. Angie and I are the closest neighbors on the face of this planet. For she and I, it's is us, right? We're one flesh. The funny thing is, is sometimes... Our one wants to become two. Anybody else deal with that sometimes? And so 
because we live with each other and interact all the time, we've got the greatest opportunity to tick each other off. Hmm? You know what I'm saying? Right? So when those moments come, it's kind of like this. I, I can look at every fight we've had where it's a real fight. You know what a real fight is and what a, you know. It's a fight, but you know, who really cares? It's not really a fight. It's like, you know, we fight. It's like, you know, all right, babe, well, I disagree with you, but whatever you think. Those kind of fights. Anybody had those? And then there's that one where you're across the room. I, I want to talk to you. I don't, I don't care what you're saying on that because you're wrong. Right? Now, here's the funny thing about that stance. Watch this. Preferring your brother above yourself is definitely not being thought about there at all. <laughs> For, on the men's part, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and so much that he laid his life down. That's not taking place there. I'm not willing to lay my life down for this chick on that part. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I don't care. I want my way. And you just, just zip it. I don't want to hear it, Skippy. You know? <laughs> now, funny enough, we do banter like that. Here's the thing. That, that this, <laughs> Danny. <sighs> oh, here's the hammer. Here's where it really drops. Only by pride comes contention. And pride is sin. <laughs> so who stands in the right place in that moment? If the conflict is there, and both stand in contention, then both have pride. Then both need to repent. Both need to inspect what's going on in their eye before they're reaching to try and get it out of their, the other person's eye, their brother's eye, if you will. <clears throat> I shared this a number of times. Uh, anybody ever seen the guy, Jesse Duplantis? I mean, whether you agree with everything he preaches or not, doesn't matter to me. I, I like the guy. I think he loves the Lord. He's led you know, thousands and thousands upon thousands of souls to Christ. I don't agree with all his theology in every track, but I don't agree with all mine all the time either. You know? I get done preaching, I go home, I'm like, what the world was I thinking there, you know? Uh, the thing is, is none of us has, have arrived. We're all on a journey, right? But I remember hit one specific service Angie and I were sitting in and he shared a truth that that just permeated every part of my being and that was that he he and his wife would never let the sun go down upon their wrath now we're not to let the sun go down upon our wrath with anyone but once again your your mate is the person you're with all the time you better keep it right there you understand what I'm saying you know this world would have a whole lot less offense and division and 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 disintegration and divorce if marriages and families stayed together, we'd probably have a lot healthier society. Who would agree with that one? And so, man, you know, I remember sitting there, and Jesse dropped this bomb. He said, never did the sun go down where we were angry at each other. We never allowed that to happen. And, and what he did is he shifted to something that really kind of made me, oh, wow, look at the approach to that. Humor. Humor. Don't take yourself too serious. God doesn't. He takes you serious enough to save your soul, but he understands that he also needed to tell you, now, work out your salvation with fear and trembling unto the Lord, right? What is that about? He's given you time and, you know, to work that out, to work through those things. And the worst thing you can do is take it so serious that what happens is, is you crack. You become religious. It's not about relationship anymore. It's just about being right. And that's not what it's about. And so... 
So Angie and I picked that one up, and, and it became fun when we were angry at each other. Now go figure on that. How can it be fun when you're angry at each other? Because when the sun, and what's cool about living here is when the sun's kind of dropping behind those mountains, boy, I mean, you can see little by little by little that sun going down, right? I mean, it's just like you got this perfect line where, well, you know, not perfect line, but you get what I'm saying. It's like it's dropping behind there, and you're like, boy, I can see it still. Be. It's like, and it's almost down. It's all, not yet. I got like two minutes left. I'm going to make the most of this, you know? And she like, Derek, the sun's going down, and it's like, it's not down yet. Boy, I tell you what, though, man, you see that thing? I, you don't, don't be deceived. Even though you can still see it, like that, it's gone. I mean, I've been out here on this property, and I can see it over there, and I can see it coming up, and it's like you can see the glow, but I mean in a split second, it's like, bam, there it is. And I think it's the same way with our relationships. If we don't take care of our relationships, not only our marriages, but other relationships, if we don't take care of those in a split second, they can be gone. In a split second, there can be an offense that runs so deep that it, the relationship falls apart. Vital, vital that we take care of that and that we look at ourselves before looking at somebody else. The third answer under what do I do if it seems hopeless? Uh, convene a peace conference. Hold a peace conference. Here's how that one goes. <clears throat> Matthew 5, 23 through 24. Uh, so if you are about to place your gift on the altar and remember that someone is angry with you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. Make peace with that person, then come back and offer your gift to God. You better hold a peace conference with that person and get it right because God's not listening to anything you have to say. That's a reality. He's saying, look, if you come to me and you're wanting to offer something up to me, just know that heaven, you know, I love you, but I want you to love them. Why? What, what's the, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so what does God say? He says, if you love me, then you'll love them. Huh. We go to 1 John, right? 4, 7 through 8, isn't it? Beloved, uh, how's it going? Beloved, uh, lovers of God. Uh, uh. Yeah, for God is love, and he that loveth not, loveth not God, for God is love, right? So, God is telling us that we need to love others if we declare that we love him, then it's going to be something that manifests through us towards them, just like Jesus on the cross. We're not going to hold odd against them. We're going to pour out forgiveness. We're going to release them from those things. We're going to go make those things right. We're going to hold a peace. We're going to make peace. So that when I come to God, I know that I'm coming to God with peace in my heart, not conflict. <clears throat> I got to make this screen stay open longer. <clears throat> okay, here comes the big one. <laughs> we already kind of talked about a little bit of it, but answer number four under what, what do I do if it seems hopeless? Consider their perspective. Philippians 2.4, look out for one another's interest. This is preferring your brother over your own. Look out for their interest. If you really do that, then what's going to happen? You're going to consider their perspective. You're not just going to move like, well, their perspective isn't right. It doesn't mean anything. Mine is the only one that matters. You're going to want to understand them before being understood. Number five, 
Concentrate on reconciliation. Concentrate. Put your focus. Make your emphasis. Reconciliation with those people. Watch this. James 3, 17. Wisdom is peace-loving and courteous. It allows discussion and is willing to yield to others. Ephesians 2, 14. For he himself is our peace, who, uh, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Now, to understand, that's our last scripture, to understand what that means, is that Jesus came and he destroyed the wall of separation. He destroyed the hostility that existed between what? You got a new covenant and you got an old covenant. What did he do? He destroyed the wall. How did he do that? He really became, straight up, the chief cornerstone. He connected, the Bible says that he connected to two walls of partition. He connected them, and how did he connect them? Because he fulfilled the law. He did everything that is required of us that we can't do. And when he did all of that and fulfilled the law, and then died on the cross to provide grace, to pour out forgiveness for our sins, what happened was is through him, we actually all become okay with the law it doesn't mean we're perfect but all of a sudden god doesn't look at us through the old covenant god looks at us through the new covenant that by grace we have been saved it's not of our works it's not the law but it's by grace we've been saved and that we've been grafted into him into his body and made a part of him to partake of his life to receive of his life and and look at this to pour that life out. You want to know the facts of life? The only way that you can genuinely have the kind of life that Christ came to give, that abundant life, is to connect to it. It's, it's to honestly choose life. Choose you this day whom you'll serve. It's going to be God. Well, that translates into serving others, how we treat others. It really comes down to one thing. It comes down to love. The fact of life, Zoe, God kind of life working in ours, comes down to connecting with the love that Christ poured out on the cross and giving that to others. He's a forgiving God. Are we a forgiving people? He's a loving God. Are we a loving people? He is a God of mercy. Are we a people of mercy? <laughs> he is a God of of serving are we a people that serve others what do i mean by that that he's a god of serving the bible says that jesus humbled himself and became a servant he humbled himself to the point of death and served salvation to all mankind can you say amen stand to your feet with me if you would as we enter the christmas season it is a blast and a fun time for so many people, but it also is a time of great stress and conflict for others. A lot of times that has to do with broken relationships or strained relationships. I want to invite the, the altar team to go ahead and come down. Bob, if you'd have them come down here in the front. If you got anything going on in your life where you're like, you know what, I want to get this right, I want to release that person, and I really want to have prayer so that I can forgive not hold offense in my heart and enter this Christmas season knowing this 
that all mankind had sinned and, and all mankind would sin and fall short of the glory of God, which is offensive to God, by the way. And at this time of the year, we celebrate the fact that God sent His Son into the earth. And He didn't send His Son to judge or condemn. He sent His Son to save and forgive. So as we enter the Advent season, what I want to do is I just want to give you an invitation. If you need prayer this morning, and I'm going to pray a corporate prayer, and then if you need additional prayer, I just want you to get out of your seats, come straight up here. If you have to leave, we know, and God bless you. But we don't want you leaving here today without receiving prayer. Enter this Christmas season with a heart filled with forgiveness, with the greatest level of love you possibly can toward others in your life. Do not carry, don't carry those weights. Jesus said that, uh, all you are weary and heavy laden come unto me and I'll give you rest let him give you rest this morning Heavenly Father thank you again for your word and I so thank you God for every person in this room and Lord they're not here just to play church but Father they've come so that they can they can grow and Father increase in knowledge and understanding of who you are so that they can celebrate with the saints Father and be encouraged and lifted up I pray that's exactly what has happened today. But Father, sometimes we can let our hearts get filled with burdens. And I pray this morning, Father, for every family here, all of our families that aren't present this morning, God, that your grace would overshadow them. Father, your mercy would pour out upon them. And Father, they feel a release, a breakthrough in their life, God, where it comes to extending forgiveness to those who have wronged them. Because God, at this time of the year, we celebrate the fact you sent your son into the earth for that very purpose, to forgive all the ought that we had ever done. He came to take that upon himself. So, Father, I pray we would release others. And in our hearts, we come to that, that altar that acknowledges you. And, Father, we don't offer a gift knowing that we've got ought against others. But, Father, we offer a gift knowing that we release them in Jesus' name. I pray this will be one of the greatest uh, Father, times of celebration this Christmas season. I pray every household, Father, lift you in a place of honor. I pray the story is not about Santa and presents. We always say it, but God, I say it again. It's not about those things, but God, that it is about honoring you. Honoring the gift that you gave to all mankind. And I pray, God, we'd elevate that among our friends and among our family in our workplace. Father, where they say happy holidays, we say Merry Christmas. Father, we cre keep Christ at the center of all we do. In Jesus' mighty name.